0: Grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and is coming, and from the seven spirits that are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Word of God, for our study this Sunday is our first lesson, Acts 512 12-42, first verses of which were read earlier, and all of which is printed in your bulletin your friends in Christ. You know, you can almost feel sorry for the high priest and his associates and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They really thought they had figured everything out and solved their Jesus problem. And all their best laid plans failed so miserably. It started with such promise. One of the upstart rabbis' own disciples offered to betray him in the dark of night so so that they could arrest him and try him out of sight of the crowds who might have caused trouble trouble if they tried to seize him in the daylight. And though there was that strange thing about how Jesus seemed to be expecting them and how the entire group fell to the ground when he told them who he was. Yeah, but in the end, they still got him bound and took him away. And from there, things went overall according to plan. True, the the witnesses that they'd arranged for couldn't seem to agree on what exactly Jesus had done wrong. But eventually, he said enough himself to to give the Sanhedrin an excuse to sentence him to death. And then, in the morning, when they sent him off to Pontius Pilate, though it, it took a lot of convincing and the rousing of a mob, they, they managed to convince the Roman governor to order a crucifixion. As an added bonus, between Gethsemane and Golgotha, they'd managed to see Jesus suffer a lot for the trouble he'd caused them. Mockery whipping, beating, a crown of thorns, even the exhaustion of carrying his own cross. And then, of course, he died (laughs) right there in front of everyone, humiliated on the Friday of Passover. By sundown, his body body was safely sealed up in a hillside tomb, and, and that was the end of his troublesome teachings, all according to plan. Uh, But of course, there were other plans. And that other plan that someone else had really messed up the Sanhedrin's plan. Because on Sunday morning, Jesus left that tomb alive again. And they were never going to get another chance to put him down. And to make things worse, his followers who had previously been cowering in fear, started telling people about Jesus rising from the dead and appearing to them. And the chief priests and their allies had no corpse to drag out and prove them wrong. (laughs) Because Jesus simply wasn't in the tomb anymore. But all was not lost. They could make a new plan. And even if Jesus did somehow rise from the dead... He seemed to have left the scene and wasn't making so much trouble anymore for them with the people. So, later, when two of his disciples, Peter and John, drew a crowd in the temple teaching both that Jesus was the Christ and that he was risen from the dead for all people, after uh, doing a miracle just like Jesus used to do, well, <laughs> the authorities had those two arrested and thrown in jail. The plan was simple. Next day, Peter and John were brought before the council. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, and that was it. Easy peasy. They could nip this new thing in the bud. Except that those two simple fishermen and the rest of those disciples chose to obey God rather than the men of the Sanhedrin. And so they kept on preaching. And the number of converts to the way of Jesus kept on growing. And people liked them. And then, then things kind of just exploded. <laughs> Instead of one miracle-working preacher traveling all throughout Galilee and Judea, Now there were 12 of them in Jerusalem, healing the sick, casting out demons, and leading more and more people to see the Nazarene they had crucified as their risen Lord and Savior and King of the Jews. So it was time for another plan, or rather the same plan another time the high priest rose up along with his associates, that is, the party of the Sadducees, because they were filled with envy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. And the next morning, they would have the apostles brought in and give them an even stronger warning so that they'd just stop doing what they'd been doing. Except, but during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the prison, brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and keep on telling the people the whole message about this life. After they heard this, they entered the temple courts at daybreak and began to teach. As I said earlier, you can almost feel sorry for these guys, these leaders. How was it that they and their plans kept failing so miserably? When the high priests and his associates arrived, they called together the senator, and that is, the whole council of elders of the people of Israel. Then they sent orders to the jail to have the apostles brought in. But when the officers arrived, they did not find them in the prison. They returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors but when we opened them, we found no one inside. When the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were puzzled about them, wondering what could have happened. Yeah, they were puzzled. Things just kept not going their way, not at all going as planned. There was just no precedent for it, no reason to expect this they locked up a group of their enemy's followers in a cell and they just disappeared from it. Nothing like that had ever happened before. Well, unless you count the time they sealed their dead enemy in a tomb and he just disappeared from it. Well, at least when Jesus escaped their custody, he didn't stick around. Maybe, maybe with these guys... Then someone came and reported to them, look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple courts and teaching the people. So no, this was really getting out of control. How could they maintain their position as the sole spiritual and religious authorities among the Jews if these apostles kept teaching a competing message, gaining followers, and getting away with it? So try again, back to the plan. Then the captain went with the officers and brought the apostles in without force because they were afraid that the people might stone them. After they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin. Well, this should do the trick. The high priest asked them, Did we not give you strict orders not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood down on us. That's more like it. Anger, intimidation, even indignation, surely that will cow Jesus' disciples into silence. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you arrested and killed by hanging Him on a cross. God exalted Him to His right hand as Prince and Savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. This This was not going according to plan. Instead of fear, these men showed Boldness Instead of obedience, they gave an accusation that these leaders of the Jews were actually, in fact, guilty of Jesus' blood. Which was, of course, true. (laughs) But but that wasn't supposed to be known or, or talked about outside their circle. Time for a new approach? When they heard this, they were furious and began making a plan to put them to death. Because, yeah, that worked so well with Jesus. Maybe maybe there was a lesson that they should learn from the failure of all their plans. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was highly respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he said to them, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you are about to do with these men. Some time ago, Thoidus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all his followers were scattered, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and led many people in a revolt. He also was killed, and all his followers were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. Perhaps you might even be found to be fighting against God. Now Gamaliel was no friend or disciple of Jesus. He was a Pharisee. But perhaps all of his time spent studying the Word of God had still given him some godly wisdom. With his advice to the council he pointed them in the right direction. And in doing so, he probably without even entirely realizing it, he diagnosed their problem. With all their goals and plots and schemes, they had made one fundamental error. They had left God out of their plans. Now Gamaliel here only talked about letting God do his thing going forward. But if they had looked backward, maybe, just maybe, they would have seen how it was not bad luck or incompetent help or Roman interference that had kept them from keeping Jesus in his tomb or his disciples quiet and cowering in fear. Instead, the chief priests had failed to recognize that the Nazarene preacher was the Lamb of God, and that the Lord would honor His sacrifice on the cross. Instead, the scribes and Pharisees had failed to see Jesus as the fulfillment of all the promises of the Messiah in the Scriptures they claimed to be experts in. Instead, the ruling council had failed to recognize God's overruling at every step of the way to make sure that what He planned happened. The enemies of the Gospel of Christ had done what the enemies of the Gospel of Christ always do. They acted without faith that the Lord will always do what He wills to do. But again, we can almost feel sorry for them because they came a little bit closer to understanding but they still didn't get it. They were convinced by Gamaliel They summoned the apostles, beat them, and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Yeah, they still left God and his plans completely out of their thinking. They still didn't get it. But you know who did? The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they were considered worthy to suffer shame for the name every day. In the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. You see, the apostles had learned in a most vivid and powerful way not to count God out where Jesus and his saving work were concerned. Of course, Christ himself had tried to teach them this over and over and over again while he was with them, but it never seemed to sink in. It was not until after all of their plans for a future with Jesus reigning as king in Jerusalem and all their ideas about what should happen had been shattered by their master's arrest and crucifixion. It was not until their grief and despair were shattered by the report of an empty tomb not until their confusion and fear were shattered by the appearance of their Lord among them, alive every bit the man they had known and so much more, not until the Spirit came to them at Pentecost and led them into a full understanding that everything that happened to Jesus happened according to God's plan, and that that plan was all about saving sinners like them, not about earthly power or politics. So they had learned not to leave God out of their plans. Even better, they had learned to make sure that they were part of God's plans and to rejoice to be a part of those plans, even, even if it involved suffering for Christ's name. And with this knowledge, they could be bold Confident, Because the One who overruled every earthly authority to accomplish His purposes was the One whose message they taught. So of course they went back to the temple courts to continue teaching. And even more, they went house to house, never stopping teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. The whole message about this life, the angel had told them, to keep on telling. The apostles learned their lesson about making plans, and we learn it from them, from their example, and from the Scriptures that they and the prophets wrote for us under the inspiration of the Spirit. Which is why why we can almost feel sorry for politicians and governments in our world today who make their plans to silence Christians and eliminate their witness with legislation, with intimidation, with outright persecution. And we can almost feel sorry for the terrorists and shooters and bombers who make their plans to frighten Christ's disciples today away from churches and schools. And we can almost feel sorry for the Internet trolls and angry atheists who make plans to shut down any testimony to the truth or keep the scriptures untaught. They don't get it. They're just setting themselves up for failure after failure. It's never going to work because they are leaving God out of their plans. But you know, we can do better than feeling sorry for these failures we can do what the apostles did even as they were being threatened by the sanhedrin we can keep on witnessing keep on speaking the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth about sin and guilt and jesus and forgiveness we can be bold and and, and never need to be on the defensive because we We have the same Lord the apostles did, and His plan is to get the Word out about Christ. And in giving that witness to to persecutors and antagonists, we are offering them eternal life. The same gift that we have because of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. That's a lot better than feeling sorry for them and certainly better than being afraid of them. We cannot know, of course, what God might have in mind for our witness, whether it is our own, individually, with with a friend or acquaintance, or or our churches in the community, or that of our synod's missionaries in in far-off places. Maybe, Maybe there will be great success, as the apostles had among the people in Jerusalem. Maybe it will be hostility that confirms truth as as they had from the Sadducees and Pharisees. Or maybe it will even be pain and suffering as they received from the Sanhedrin. But we can trust God's plans to always be for our good and for the work of the gospel. And, and, And that's more than enough to give us boldness in our witness and joy in our work. But the life of a Christian and the life of the church involve a lot more than evangelism and mission work. The angel's reference to the whole message of this life reminds us that following Jesus is not something that is kept separate from everything else. It is everything. So when we make plans, whether it's plans for this afternoon, plans for the week ahead, plans for a trip, plans for retirement or or whatever, we really want to be careful not to leave God out of them. Because if we do that, at, at the very least, we forfeit the blessings God wants to give us, since following His will always gets us what is best. And Failing to include Him in our plans could result in a much worse situation like that of the chief priests and their allies who, who found themselves very much on the wrong side of God's plans. So what do Christians do? We study the Scriptures. And we pray for God's wor- wisdom and guidance when and whenever we make plans. We might even gasp Talk to our pastors before making big decisions. We seek God's will before our own desires and we trust His judgments over our own. Now that doesn't mean that that we just sit back and wait to do or decide anything until we see writing on the wall that tells us exactly what to do. But it does mean that we make sure that the Lord has full opportunity to lead and guide us to what is best, instead of making Him and His will just an afterthought, or giving Him no thought at all. So we want to be a part of God's plans, not just when we decide whether to marry a certain someone, but when we first decide whether to pursue or continue a relationship with that person before we ever got to that point. When we decide whether to forestall God's blessings with birth control or allow Him to give us children as He sees fit. When we choose a career or accept a promotion or transfer. When we move to a location without a right teaching church nearby when we allocate our resources and choose a place to retire in, when we make out our wills, when we choose our friends, when we decide which TV shows to invest hours upon hours of our lives in. We do this. We think of God in our plan-making, not out of fear of the consequences, not out of obligation, because that's what we have to do, We do it because of who God is and who we are and and what He has done for us. Who He is, the Almighty Lord of the universe who created us, who knows everything not only about the world as it is now, but as it was and as it will be. The Lord who looks at us not only to judge us right and wrong, but to love us. And show us mercy and grace and compassion. Who we are. We are sinners. Sinners deserving nothing good from God. Sinners who have failed miserably at all sorts of plans that we have made to do good and who have succeeded wonderfully at all sorts of plans we have made to do evil. Sinners who have no hope of heaven on their own. And what has He done for us, this Lord? He gave His one and only Son that all who believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We have a God of grace and mercy who took pity on us, who were going to die and go to hell, and He provided the solution for us even to the point of making a plan from eternity not just for the world's salvation, but for your salvation and for my salvation. plan that brought His Son down from heaven, placed Him in the womb of a humble virgin, led Him to lead a life of humble oblivion in a world that did not appreciate Him, had Him teach, had Him do miracles to point to His identity and point to God, and then cruelly, unfairly, unjustly sent Him to death on a cross, but then gloriously raised Him from the dead on the third day that all who believe in Him might have eternal life. This is the God we have. He has done and only wants what is good for us. His plans are always good. He has proven this time and time again. And we know what kind of work God does when we let His Holy Spirit work. So we let Him plan. And we let Him do His work in us And for us. After all, He is the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His own blood and made us a kingdom and priest to God His Father. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the one who is and who was and who is coming, the Almighty, the first and the last, the living one who was dead and, see, is alive forever and ever. So don't. Don't leave God out of your plans. Hallelujah. Amen. Please rise. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with every good thing to do his will as he works in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.